let me uh, break in on our series here this morning uh, with some breaking news. I have just learned that there are 109,750,000 guys and girls who are frantically, say that word, frantically searching, looking on websites, on match.com, Plenty of Fish, eHarmony, Christian Mingle, getting online, looking at profile pictures, messaging, quietly saying to themselves, is this the one? Is this the one? Praise God, that's the one. Thank you. <laughs> or maybe uh, you're here in the room today and you've already found that person. You're in love, spending time at the Hallmark store trying to find the right card for her or him. Or maybe you or on the other side of a relationship divide and you're not really too positive today. Or you were married and you said, till death do us part, but that wasn't true. You know, our 20-something and our 30-something now are realizing that marriage is a risky venture. They're not cynical, but they are observant, looking, waiting, and watching. What has happened is that our cultural relationship plan is not working. The plan that focuses on the external, not concerned with consequences, sleep around, live for today, why not risk everything, don't miss out on anything, and certainly don't allow religion to hamper the party. So what we have to do is kind of take a pause here and ask ourselves, isn't it time to look to the wisdom of God and his relational laws and see not good marriages happen, but great marriages? Isn't it time to have some of the greatest homes in the history of the Christian faith isn't it time to have husbands that are over the top, incredible men of God? Well, that's what we want to look at today, and I want you to pull out your Bible there if you're following uh, to Ephesians chapter 5. If everybody's here, just say yes. yes. So uh, we're in the New International Version uh, this morning, chapter 5 of Ephesians We'll begin reading with verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Let's read verse 25 together. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. It's interesting that the last line there that Christ gave himself up for her. It's interesting that there would be a, an analogy between the husband 
and Christ being over his church. And he says here, as he gave up his, himself up for her. So a husband is called to not die physically, but to die to his own selfishness. The man is called to put the priority down the path of love. In fact, he says several times, love your wife. Not somebody else's wife, your wife. Men say that, your, your wife. Your wife. And then it says here, verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. This is not referring to dangerous, sinful domination or being cruel, angry, or abusive, or despot. But a man is to lead. A man is to lead as Christ led the church. Mark 10, 45 says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Thank you. So that, where was I? So that a man is to provide the leadership for the marriage. And God made you leaders not for what you do only, but for who you are. And a husband is called by God to be the spiritual head under Christ. Forgiving the, forgetting the, the responsibility has dire consequences, and all we have to do is to look for a moment to what happened in the Garden of Eden. Here they were in a perfect environment, one wife and one husband. And everything was going well until, and you know the story, the Bible says that a serpent weaseled his way in to the first family. Now, the serpent was not a slippery uh, snake. Uh, he was not a slithering on his belly. But the serpent was majestic and wonderful and conniving. There was one commandment that was given, not 10, and that was eat from all the trees, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so we all know the story, she ate, she saw, she ate, and brought sin. Our question we have to ask ourselves, where was Adam? Out feeding the elephants? On Xbox? Out fishing? Out naming a few more animals? Where, where was Mr. Adam on this big day? It's interesting in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband. Read the last line with me. Who was with her and he ate it. 
So he was not with the elephants, but he could have done something at that moment, maybe like Jackie Chan, and start throwing some moves. Maybe he could have gotten a shovel and started beating up the serpent over the head. Or he could have said, there's a fire, let's get out of here and run. But ladies and gentlemen, we are introduced to the first man who was called to be a leader who somehow abdicated his leadership position and rather than leading his lady, rather than being cognizant of what was happening and being a real man, he became this dangerous man of passivity. He introduced to the human race what happens when men are passive and the consequences. I believe that every single woman wants to have a spiritual leader in her husband. And that spiritual I do that one more time. I believe that every wife wants to have spiritual leadership in the man that she has married. Amen. A man that is fully committed to follow Christ. A man that is into the D word where he is in devotions daily. He has his Bible open. He's listening to the Holy Spirit, and he is a man that is sitting in the chair of leadership, and he's not leading by being a person of dominance. He's not leading to control, but he's a godly man who's walking in humility, but his humility makes him aware that he is sensitive to what is happening in his family, in his home, and in his marriage. We need to have a resurgence of real men. Men that will lead. And the best leadership is not by what you say, it's by your example. That when decisions are made in the back side of life, when other people are trying to take shortcuts because we live in a culture that we do what is convenient rather than what is right. We do something that is a quick fix rather than something that is a sure, guaranteed win when we do it right. For a wife to have respect, there needs to be a man that's leading and that a wife can look up to him and that man has integrity and not pulling all kinds of things and taking shortcuts, but is a man of God. Amen. The question we have to ask, is my wife more spiritual now than when I met her? And is she closer to the Lord because of me or in spite of me? How are you leading spiritually? What are you doing? Are you praying? Do you know what she's going through? Do you know your, her needs? Are you having spiritual talks? Your wife is not reading the Bible. Your wife is not praying. Are you giving spiritual talks with humility or you just let her do whatever she wants? You're the leader. Stand up. Be a leader. Our nation is falling apart in our homes and it is because of the men not asserting humility and leading. And what I'm saying this morning is every single man in this room can rise up at a higher level 
and lead your family godly and be a man of God. Be a man of integrity. Be a man of honesty. And be a man that is providing financial leadership. So you have a responsibility in your home. You're both working, but you have a responsibility to lead that house financially. And that means not getting over in debt, watching your credit cards, not allowing overspending. You're the leader. You're not the observer. You're the leader. You're the leader that decides that the, the Lord gets the first cut, the first fruits. Not your wife. You do. You decide you're going to honor the Lord first. Amen. Let me move along here. You're the man that says, listen, I know we spend money. We will save every month. If it's a dollar, we're going to put it over here in the bank. We're going to save. You're responsible. Not to buy new cars every couple years and buy new motorcycles and then get this and then get this. You're the man. Lead on. The man of God. So when he says to us, you're the head, that really means you're leading the home with spiritual humility, and you do it well because there is an authority, a position of authority given to you to guide your family in great places. You are the protectional leader. You protect your family. And when your kids get out of order and they say something to your wife, you ought to be out of your couch in their face saying, let me tell you something, Jimmy. If you ever say that to your mother again, it will not be good. You're the protector. You're the protector. You're the protector. You see what others don't see. You see when your wife is off, you pick it up and you have a talk with her and you find out what has happened and you have the authority to make things right because you have the leadership. What we have is we have passivity that has come in to men's lives because men have not had godly fathers. They've never had godly people around them to tell them what is right and what is wrong. And if you're a passive man, you're going to end up being a passive man all your life until you seek out a godly spiritual man and you begin to be discipled by that man. Just like in the physical, if you need to get your body in shape, you find some guy who has big muscles and lifts a lot of weights, and you go over there and watch him. You don't join the pizza club over here with the boys. <laughs> you look over here with these big guys with big muscles, and they will show you how to do a curl with four pounds. That means we have to have godly men that are discipling men, that are discipling men, that are discipling men until we have a revolution that happens in the church. Now, this word submit is an inflammatory word because of its misuse. I've heard pastors speak, and it makes you cringe. I've heard everything, and you have two chauvinistic talks. We all know that men for ages have been controlling women. The liberal lib movement, a women's lib movement, came out of, in part, of men mistreating women. 
In Saudi Arabia last week, women were first allowed to go to soccer games. And next month, believe it or not, they'll be able to drive a car. So men have a record of dominating women. To understand submit here, you have to look at verse 21. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What that means is, the word here is hupotasso, which means to be under. It means that if I'm in a relationship with my wife, which I am with Judy, that when she speaks, I listen to her, and I'm open to be directed, corrected, because I have a teachable heart, and she's the same way. So I'm not up here, and she's down here, and she's not up there, and I'm down here. We are submitting ourselves to one another as we are in the body of Christ. I like what it says in the Message Bible. It says, wives, understand and support your husband in ways that show your support for Christ. So that a wife is there to support, to honor, and to respect her husband. To build him up, every man is insecure as every woman is. And you are there to speak to her to speak to him and tell him sometimes who he is. To see him as God sees him and help bring the best out of him, not the worst. The tone of your voice, the attitude of your spirit can demean or can encourage and inspire. Wives, listen closely. You have no idea the influence you have over your husband. And you literally can bring him out of where he is, not trying to change his behavior, but you speak to him and let him know who he is in Christ. That's respecting your husband. And I think we need more respect. Now we have some women that are controlling. Controlling women. Mothers who are controlling develop controlling daughters. Mothers that are controlling raise up passive boys. And then controlling women marry passive men. And then Generationally, this goes on, and your kids become the same thing, and your daughters become uh, controlling, and they marry passive people because it's off. Now, there's a difficult thing. What do you do when your husband is passive? He'll do nothing, and you're a wife. Obviously, you have to take leadership. If he won't, pay the bill, and he's irresponsible, you know what I'm saying, you have to step in. And there's a fine line between controlling and leading in a healthy way. There's a word they have for controlling women. Certainly wouldn't mention it here, but 
But if you are controlling and you're passive, we have Illuminate, Don Middleton, you can go over there and have a few sessions and start working and getting that in order so that it's right because that's where happiness comes. When we're in order and things are right, then God can bless our marriages. Just imagine for a moment if we have men that lead. And one of our, our major fo uh, our forward concern and focus is on raising up men that are godly. And we're believing for 300 men to rise up in this church. Pastor Jeff, who oversees our, our men's uh, group, Tuesday mornings at 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock, we have men that are coming here this week. And imagine if we had 300 sold-out, confident men, and each of those men begin to disciple one person, and now we have over here, we have another 300 men. Now we have 600 men. And imagine if each of them disciple one, now that's 600, they just disciple one. Now we have 1,200 confident, strong men. And then that goes on. After a while, you have 10, 20,000 men that are godly. On the other hand, if you're passive and you're controlling, you can come to a million services here for year after year after year, but where's the fruit of your life? What are you raising up? What is coming out of your life? Every single healthy man ought to be discipling a man. Every healthy person that's a, every woman, every girl, every daughter of the king ought to be raising up and discipling other women. Why did it, we decide to have woven? Why is it there was this great meeting here the other, the other uh, Friday night? What are we trying to do? We're trying to see the coming forth of hundreds of leaders of women who are strong, who are leaders, and yet they have humility, but they're not there to do all those things by themselves. They're there to pour into one other woman, and after a while, people, women that are broken, then they come in, and we bring them back and take them to an encounter, and we literally cause a revolution, and that's what we're about in our church. We're believing that what John Wesley said, he said, give me 100 men who hate, who love nothing but God. Give me 100 men that, love, that hate nothing but sin. And he says that uh, we will be able to shake the whole world for Christ. Imagine the church rising up. Imagine us rising up and seeing a mighty revival of the Spirit of God, not just in a meeting like this, but rising up. Think for a moment. We just fired up the 30-something ministry, and they hung out last week. Imagine hundreds and hundreds in the new ministry of singles rising up rather than having sex, going out, fooling around, no consequences. What would happen with hundreds and hundreds of, of these unmarried 30s, 30-something 30 rising up, and Fred and Allison lead a movement, and we have, we have a, an army of people that are rising up that we are doing things God's way. This is a time for revival relationally. This is a time for us to be healed relationally. This is a time for us to get closer in our homes and in our marriages. This is a time that when we go out on a date and you are a man, that you understand you are there to provide spiritual leadership, not take her to bed. You're not there to take her to bed. And by the way, I hear over and over again, these single guys don't even ask the girls out. What's with you? Some of you girls say amen or something. Be a man. Call them out to Starbucks or something. Do something. 
Let's have a revival. Let's start something that will change the world. We talk about miracles. We need miracles in husbands. We need miracles in wives. We need miracles in the next generation. We need a miracle so that we have the power of the Holy Spirit and that when we begin to pray, we're not condemned, but we are powerful in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, say it again. Hallelujah. Let's go. Let's go where we've never been. See generations of righteousness emerge. That we are men of integrity and we lead. My responsibility is to lead my family. My responsibility is to pray for my wife. My responsibility is to pray for my kids. My responsibility is to be in my chair every morning and I get out my Bible and I begin to open my heart to God. Not for them, I'm opening my heart for myself. I'm getting spiritually empowered so I have something to give. God calls a revival like we have never seen before. Men rising up, women rising up. I declare that this woven will have thousands of women that will rise up and be models and examples of righteousness. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will see the casting out of spirits. They will not be without power, power of the Holy Spirit. It is not by, it is not by might nor by power, says the Lord. Wait. Haggai said many years ago when he said simply that the glory of the present house will be greater, greater than the glory of the former house. I'm asking the Lord to come down in these services like we have never had before with a visitation of the Holy Spirit where things begin to happen and people come in here and they are bound and they need deliverance, that there is so much of the glory and the power of the Holy Spirit that we are welcoming the Holy Spirit in this place. And as we welcome the Holy Spirit, things begin to happen. Things begin to shake. Your family begins to change. My family begins to change. And we raise up a mighty generation that heaven, 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 heaven is not only where we're going, heaven is now. He wants us to enter into heaven now. Hallelujah. Thank God we're going to heaven. But when he said, your kingdom come, your will be done, he was saying, let it come on the earth. Let it become on the, on the earth. Let there be laughter around our kitchen tables. Let there be fun and joy in our homes. And let's raise a generation of world changers that can shake the very gates of Hades. Hallelujah. 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 Not by might. Not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. I think the Holy Spirit's just going to come down upon us we're going to welcome the Holy Spirit. No one leave for a moment. Let's just open our hearts. Let's believe all of us can get better. Get better. Let's get into the relationship plan of God. This week, here's your assignment. Get in on your knees and pray for your wife if you're married. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you're involved wrongly and you're with somebody you're not married cut it off like Paul Chase who came in the rock house living with his girlfriend bartender on drugs and that night he came to Christ he went back home and he said to his girl you gotta move out I just got, I just got saved he went to Bible school, and now he's in the Philippines. Thousands and thousands and thousands. 
What is it? What is it? You've heard the message here. What is the one thing you need to do? One thing. What's the one thing you can do? Let's be a part of something great. Yes? Let's all stand together. Let's sing the song. Welcome, Holy Spirit. No one leaving. No one leaving for a moment. Sing it. Some weeks ago, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying that we should, at the very end of our service, be reflective of what God is saying to us, and then to take the Holy Communion, the bread, the body of Christ, and the cup, the new covenant in his blood. I believe that when we receive the Holy Eucharist, it's a moment of healing, revival, deliverance because there's power in the blood of Jesus. Things are broken over us. And I'm believing in a moment as we take Holy Communion, just reflect on Christ, reflect on Jesus. And many believe there could be miracles all over this building right now. week, I was quickened in my heart where I, the Lord said, I want you to expect uncommon miracles every time you meet together. I mean, like someone came to me right before the service, and they went this week, and they discovered some kind of a, um, a growth or something right here in the brain, and then they prayed, and then they immediately went for an MRI, and when they did the MRI, they said, there's nothing there, there's nothing there, <laughs> nothing there. 
God does the miracle and we will see cancerous growth dissolve as we take communion. I'm believing there are couples in here, you have walls. When you take communion together, something will come down. I'm declaring in the next few minutes just a move of God's Spirit and just go to someone close to you. They're in the front, on the side, they're in the balcony, in the back. And just take the bread and cup and just and we hold it up and just say, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take that bread with your wife or friends or by yourself. Take the cup, the new covenant in his blood. And let's, how many, how many want to expect for like miracles to happen? I mean like, like miracles. Like miracles, like miracles, <laughs> like miracles. There's a couple in this room. Your marriage is all but over, but you're here. Let's see what happens at communion in a minute. So let's do that, and we'll just keep worshiping. The blood of Jesus, hallelujah. The blood of Jesus breaks down every barrier. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. and sing it. So 
You know, we never dismiss our service without giving people or friends an opportunity to really be forgiven of their sins and have a new life. We have a cross here in our sanctuary that reminds us that Christ took our sin, our sickness on the cross, and it made it possible for us to have a new life and to be made righteous through him. And we saw many in the first meeting this morning, 9 o'clock, that raised their hand and simply said, would you pray for me? I want Christ in my life. I'm going to count to three, and at the end of that, if you want Christ to forgive you, no matter how, how dark the path has been, wrong choices, you're messed up, uh, Jesus is really good Amen. at restoring lives that are messed up, and we all have a story of what he's done in our lives. So if you're here, one, two, three, Put up your hand wherever you are. Put it up and say, I need Jesus in my life. Yes, yes. Put it up. Put it up wherever you are. Do it. Do it now. I want prayer. Do it now wherever you are. Away from God. Coming back to the Lord. Do it right now. In the balcony. Do it right now. In Jesus' name, we declare it. In the Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I'm going to ask those that raised your hand just to walk down the aisle and stand right here. We're going to sing this song, Thank You, Jesus. Come right now. Come right now, wherever you are. Come to Christ. Come right now. Come to Christ. The balcony, come down. Come on. Come, come to Christ. Oh, what amazing. For we have that prayer. I think there are more that are here that need to come to Christ. It's amazing how the enemy tells us lies that we never can get out of what we're in and that we are not worthy to come to Christ. That's why he died for us. And we release people in here that need to come and say yes to Christ. There are husbands and wives that if you come to Christ, your marriage will dramatically change because Christ makes the difference. In Jesus' name, we declare every lost person comes to Christ, every backslider comes back home in the name of Jesus, and we take authority over the enemy who tries to steal a future life in the name of Jesus. I want every Christian to pray. I want everyone to believe that sons and daughters are going to come to Christ and we will see the impossible happen in Jesus' name. We're going to sing this one more time. You come, you come, you come to Christ right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. pray this prayer together, and you that have come, God bless you at the altar. Here, isn't this great? These people coming to Christ in every service. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're going to pray this prayer. If you didn't come, you pray the prayer. You that are watching online, your next step is to make a declaration through uh, water baptism, which happens Wednesday and Sunday. So, 
Let's believe God to do great things. And Pastor Dave is here, and right after this prayer, he'll take you on the side here for a couple of minutes. Let's all say this prayer. Jesus, Jesus I, put I put my faith in you that you took my sin on the cross. You took my sin on the cross. I, confess and believe I confess and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, from the dead. and he is, he is alive. I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin. I abandon my life to follow Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. And give me your grace, the gift of righteousness, and eternal life. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, you're in the family of God. God bless you. Go with you.